Did you know that grooming not only impacts a dog's physical appearance, but it also can impact their emotional well-being? Absolutely. It's like a spa day, but for your fur baby. It really does help them have a better and healthier life. Wouldn't we all like one of those? I think we could use that. (laughs) More about grooming on today's episode. So welcome to the Dog Moms. Dog Moms, Dog Moms. Hello, everyone. That intro was as refreshing as a newly groomed pup. Speaking of grooming, our guest today is none other than Jess Rona, the mastermind behind Jess Rona Grooming and a pioneer to the grooming world. Yes, Jess is redefining the grooming experience from cage-free salons to meditative techniques. And we're all ears and paws today. But first, Amber, what are your plans for the remaining of the holiday season? Are you traveling for Thanksgiving? You're seeing family? I am attempting to, again, with a newborn. We'll see how that goes. Mm -hmm. Um, I always travel with at least one dog, and so we are probably going to be traveling for Thanksgiving. We're hoping to go down to Florida, Um, so we'll see. I'm used to flying with one of my dogs as a service dog, but I've never flown with a service dog and a baby, so that's going to be really new. And it's kind of funny because I traveled to Philadelphia to go visit my siblings last weekend. And we sent a picture of like carrying all the baby stuff to our family. Like, oh, like we're getting ready to go. And they're like, oh, welcome to life of traveling with a baby. And I was like, actually, I packed less for the baby than I usually pack for the dogs. And so it wasn't really, wasn't really anything new. I don't know if you have a similar experience to that, Chrissy. No, I definitely can agree with that. Especially when I look at the van and when everyone's packed to go for all of our holidays, it's yeah, it's 75% dog stuff, 25% mine and the humans. I know. Well, especially and my husband, with my husband's allowed to have like a backpack. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like the dogs need to have their food. They've got to pack so much stuff for them, especially when you have four of them. So do you actually travel like for the holidays? Are you going to take all four of them with you, you think? We take them all. Wow. Yeah. I mean, well, Thanksgiving, no, because we kind of we'd go across country. So I kind of divide and conquer them around. Yeah. People watch yeah. them. But Christmas, it is a full-on family affair in one house. Wow. So we're talking extended family, all the dogs. They have dogs. It's yeah. It's a it's a definitely um the biggest form of like pet management in a short time. Yeah, certainly. I know like yeah. for Christmas in the past, we've done we usually we I try to do all the dogs. It depends on where we're traveling to. Uh for if, if we're driving close by. So this Christmas we are looking sorry, my I don't know if anyone can see this or hear this or what, but my cat is just like he he wants to be included. In I love it. I think you keep him right there. He looks warm. I have a cat on top of me, guys, while I'm recording. He's like trying to get on my face. But um, I have traveled with the dogs and the cats for the holidays in the past. But I think for this Christmas, which is what we did last Christmas, we brought all three dogs and then had someone come to our house to take care of the cats. So that's that's our plan this year as well. We're going to look for a dog-friendly Airbnb that we can share with our family. That's kind of a driving distance between some of us, and then of course, bringing our dogs with us. So that's that's the plan. That sounds really good. Honestly, I like if people can learn to bring their pets with them more, I think it could be more fun. But it is definitely takes a lot of preparation and a lot of planning. That's for sure. Well, I know we've got an amazing episode to get to. So let's go ahead and talk to Jess and learn more about the incredible world of grooming. Oh, no. 
So who is Jess Rona? Well, she's a groomer with a knack for energy reading, over 20 years of experience, and the founder of JRG Dog Grooming. The salon prioritizes your dog's comfort and safety while ensuring a consistently gorgeous haircut, and boy, is she known for it on her Instagram. Oh my gosh, I love the videos of the dogs she has on her Instagram, but Jess has also produced videos that break down the grooming process into easy-to-follow steps, and she even includes self-care tips for the groomers as well. So... Let's go ahead and get into the fuzz and fur of it all. Hi, Jess. Welcome to the Dog Moms. We're so excited to have you here. Hello. Thanks for having me. Oh, my goodness. So I was just looking through your social media because how are we not? And the dogs that you groom are incredible. And I'm so excited to talk to you. I know Chrissy is too about all of your dog grooming techniques. Um, But before we kind of talk about your techniques and the way that you do things differently. Can you kind of give us um, the backstory of how you got started grooming dogs and kind of what inspired you to do what you do now? Oh, yeah. Um, Well, I'll give you the short version. Um, I was looking for any kind of job when I was 18, and I got cat food with my mom at PetSmart um, deep in the San Fernando Valley. She would have to drive all the way to this specific PetSmart to get this kind of cat food. Um, Hmm. And there was a help wanted sign. I needed a car. I didn't really like think much about what kind of job I was going to get. I was always like working in restaurants and odd jobs here and there. Um, And so when I saw, when we saw the help wanted sign, there was all these different jobs that they had available, work as a cashier, work in aquatics, you know, the dog food. And then on the list was dog bather. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Like we had cats. I had never really worked with dogs. Um, So I just checked that box. Um, I had no experience. (laughs) I remember like when I first started my, like the grooming shop manager was like, can you put the lead on the lab and go bring them out? And I was like, just let's just back up. What's a lead how? and then what's a lab? Oh that's that's so how little wow. I knew. <laughs> because I I had always done all these other types of like food industry jobs, hmm. and and it was it just sort of happened organically, and I didn't know what the hell I was doing for a really long time. Um, I slowly started to get into it. I, I also am an actress, a comedian, and and that was really the path I thought I was on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was on it just like very indirectly. Um, but uh, I just wanted something that was cool and interesting that wasn't waiting tables. Yeah. Um, although eventually I did wait tables. I would wait tables at night and groom dogs during the day. Oh, I hear you. But <laughs> I was lucky those enough. Dreams. Yeah, right? I was lucky enough to have mentors sort of show me little things as I started evolving. I was a dog bather for a few years. And then my mentor, like the grooming manager, she eventually started showing me like, what's a Cocker Spaniel haircut? Mm-hmm. What would a, what, how do you clip nails and all that stuff? And then, um, yeah, I mean, cut to 15 years later, yeah. I started, yeah. um, I mean, I worked in restaurants. I moved to New York. I started doing improv, like a lot happened, but I always sort of had this thing. I always kind of like knew how to groom pretty much, but it wasn't until I was um, 30 years old that I was like, okay, I don't want to wait tables anymore. I really want to focus on my two favorite things, improv and dog grooming. Right. So I start. I moved back to LA from New York. I started to um, do grooming competitions and then that's when I started to get really good at grooming because I, I really put my mind to it and I wanted to get good. So then I'm, I just turned 44. So that was 14 years ago that I was like made the decision. 
And like, you know, that's a very abbreviated version, but that's kind of how I got my start. (laughs) Yeah, that's so funny. I think Chrissy and I both have like a lot of parallels to your story. So really? Yeah. Yeah. So I actually started um, in the training world at PetSmart as well. I always worked with animals, but I really wanted to train and get more involved in like actively, you know, hands on a good job, but with animals. And I started at PetSmart and kind of the same worked through I know exactly what you're talking about where you start as a bather and then you kind of work through the the steps um and I know Chrissy has a lot of parallels to your story too yeah I did a lot of acting so I totally understand like the juggling two jobs where you're like I love the animal world but I also love the production world and like how to bring them both together and then how to make money so you could do both and (laughs) I totally understand that hustle which I think probably only help you today to realize that like hey if I really work hard like it's amazing what I can accomplish right so you kind of learn that along the way I felt like, um, like, so I got fired from a a grooming job because I just kept leaving for auditions. Hmm. And also, I shouldn't be anyone's employee. I'm too opinionated. I'm slow. I'm kind of of the same way. That's that's exactly how I feel. I haven't worked for someone in a long time. (laughs) Yeah, I was not meant to be. Yeah, I just shouldn't. Yeah, same. Like I, and so um, I got fired, and then I started a business in my garage just so I could have freedom, so I could go on auditions and pursue acting. But I realized, you know, like my Instagram went viral in 2015 um, with these videos I started making of dogs blowing in the wind in slow mo. I just released one today because I saw it. It was so Um, King Charles fan. Like I haven't done one in so long. (laughs) Oh my God. But like, um, I realized that when I stopped trying to go against the, like, you know, like upstream, mm-hmm. when I just kind of mm-hmm. released and been, and I was like, okay, let me just go on this path. I'm going to stop mm-hmm. fighting. I'm just going to do, you know, what's easier. Mm-hmm. That's when the business took off. I totally understand that. I had to like let go of acting and just decide that was going to be more of a passion, like a hobby. Mm-hmm. And go with the grain. And then all of a sudden you just realize like the doors are opening, you're happier, you know, and that's so, so my question to you is you have not just, okay, well, I, I started, you know, doing grooming and that allowed me to have a path. You actually climbed the scale to work with some really cool people. So how does yeah. that happen? Is that do you just mean like luck? celebrity clients? Yeah. You like you've, like, yeah. Okay. Like you've been able to really scale up in, in your, in your work and how, how did you, how do you stand out? against the rest of, there's so many groomers out there, right? Yeah. I think I was really lucky. I think, you know, that whole saying of like, luck is just when preparation meets opportunity. Mm -hmm. I feel like I had been working on comedy and working on grooming for so long that I was able to combine them in a way that like showed my, my point of view. And I just think people were drawn to it. Also, it was when Instagram just started. When I was on Instagram, I was like the only one. There was no other (laughs) groomer. It was me. And so I became like the dog groomer Mm -hmm. and everybody was like, you know, I want, I want you to make a video of my dog. And so that's kind of how it started. But, um, I mean, I'm also in a very privileged location. I'm in Los Angeles where even working at PetSmart, well, maybe not PetSmart, but like working at any of the shops in LA, you're going to have right. a celebrity client. It's just going to happen. Right. Also, my husband, he's an actor um, and he has a lot of actor friends. And that was like a big uh, pathway into having a celebrity client was my husband's friends. Um, you know, that really helped too. 
But I think think there's something that That, that, now the listeners may not know, but you and I actually met at the Klarna pop-up in New York. And Mm -hmm. you actually worked with my dog Beasley. I don't know if you remember him. He has like the really silly ears. Um, I think there is something that you do have though that's a quality that's different from a lot of groomers that I've seen because you have a type of energy you bring into the room with your animal. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. You bring yeah. this calming quality about them. You can kind of read them, right? Yeah. You know who's getting on the table. You can kind of read their energy and you go, like you said, you go with the grain, right? You go mm, with the flow mm-hmm. of that. And I'll never forget it because Beasley was all up there. You know, he's New York, super busy. And he ended up passing out in the front window of all these people <laughs> taking pictures. But you just – I don't know what you did to him. <laughs> but he just passed out. He was so comfortable. And I think that's like a true testament to also being a good groomer is having the dogs feel safe. Oh, yes. Totally. You nailed it. It's it's building trust and learning to pick up on those subtle behavioral clues and respond to them so that you can show them that they're seen and heard. And also while having a gentle yet confident, firm touch, I teach a whole class about it because I realized after doing this for so long, I think I'm also just a generally more empathetic type, like I'm an empath Mm. a little bit. So like I could pick up on human energy. I could pick up on dog energy. It's just like that subtle thing that people Mm -hmm. give you when you pay attention to it. I mean, yeah, you guys know, like you work open with dogs, you know dogs. Yeah, just looking for that. Um, yeah, but yeah. Yeah, that, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. I know I was looking at your website and it kind of talks a little bit about that, like being like an energetic technique. So is that something that like when you have a, a dog first come in for grooming, like what's your typical approach? Do you take time with a dog to get to know them? Like how, how does that look? No, I mean, I need to get a job done. So yeah. I, I mean, actually like it's, it, it's like, um, there's a fine line, like I have to do my job, mm-hmm. but I also have to make the dog trust me quickly. So, um, I just do, I read the dog. Like I see like, what does it, what does this dog need? And also most dogs are pretty predictable. They're kind of all the same. They sort of all react in the same way for the most part, like a typical average dog that is sort of used to grooming is going to be, you know, I know what they're going to resist. I know what, like how to make them feel seen. I know how to touch them in a way to make them feel like they can trust me, Hmm. like that I'm in charge, but also I have their best interest. That's right. So like, I think it just took me a long time. I mean, it's been 26 years of working yeah, with yeah. dogs. So it's like been a really long time. That's I kind of crazy. I with dogs the whole time. Like I took – like for six years I was waiting tables and part mm-hmm. of that time I was also grooming dogs. I didn't groom dogs when I lived in New York. I only lived in New York for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so like if you're going to do anything for 20 years, you're just going to be sort of – good at it. You yeah, know, you'd hope, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. hope so. You would hope. That's too funny. Now, I was, I saw this other thing too that, I mean, let me know if it's true or not. Is it true that you don't use cages for dogs in your grooming? Yeah, I don't. I, so when I started my, uh, my business, I worked from my garage mm-hmm. and, um, I wanted, when I opened the brick and mortar, I wanted the garage to, I wanted the brick and mortar to be just like a, my garage, but oh. commercially zoned right. so I could be open to the public. But we were, we're still very limited. We don't do more than like 12 to 15 dogs max in an eight-hour day. That's a so lot. So like though. we don't <laughs> – That's busy. But like it's busy but not crazy. Okay. And we don't 
we just, we're just, we're a small volume shop. So Mm -hmm. we charge what we're worth. We charge for our time Mm -hmm. and people pay a premium to get their dog. Like have, I, I wanted to create an environment where a dog can feel like they were home, like they're safe, they're cozy, it's calm. And I realized working in the garage, my dogs would hang out in the garage while we were working and they were just Mm. sleeping. So when I have sleeping dogs everywhere, the dogs on my table are going to be like, oh, they're calm. I should be okay. That's right. Sure. So I realize, like, it's just a whole energy in the room. Yeah, I think that really plays a massive role. Like, I really do. Like, I witnessed that, and it was fascinating. I think that, like, a lot of times it's more mechanical in a lot of places. Mm. You go in the cage or the big air thing is blowing on them in the cage, and I've witnessed dogs just standing there, like, shaking because they're just like, where am I? Where's mom? And I don't know what I'm doing, but I have to just go through the paces because I'm here, you know, versus, like, actually being in – it's almost like a spa. <laughs> yeah. To be relaxed and to feel safe. And I think that that is totally, a huge but deal. you know, there are but there are a lot of dogs and grooming shops with cages where the dogs right. feel mm-hmm. safer in a cage. Like if they are crate trained, they're they're usually fine. And I've worked at so many shops mm-hmm. with cages and not every dog is like traumatized yeah. by a cage. There are a lot of dogs that don't like mm-hmm. it. One of the cool things about the type of grooming table I have is there's a little um, loop where you can put a dog on a leash and just tie them up next to you. Oh. So um, I think that's really smart. So like some dogs that hate cages, like at my old shops, we would just like tie them to the, to the table and they can hang out with us. Right. That's um, nice. Instead of being in a cage. There are, there are grooming shops with cages that still have calm dogs. I don't want your listeners or you guys oh, to think yeah. like cages equal scared dogs. No, don't like, worry. We're huge crate okay. advocates. We're like, crate your dog. Okay, yeah. no, we, we're all, well, I mean, yeah. like we are for travel and like I use them regularly. So Yeah, but it's so true. It depends on the dog. I know I like two of my dogs would be totally fine sitting in a cage. The other one would be hating his life. That's and right. so it's really yeah. nice that you like have a way of and different techniques to be able to like adapt that to the dog to make the grooming a better experience. And I'm sure the happier the dog is, the easier your job is too. Um, have you yes. had any like crazy scenarios where you've been like, man, okay, I've got to spend two hours with this dog trying to work with this dog. Like, do you have a crazy story well, like I had that? To turn him away. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> too many, have, too many to count. <laughs> I mean, one crazy story. This isn't really like totally answering your question, but like I just did it the other day. So it's like fresh in my mind. Uh, I was doing, I was grooming a dog on TikTok and Instagram live. Oh no. And the dog <laughs> just a couple days ago and the dog pooped on my table as no. I was working. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Was, was it at least like solid or was it like total disaster? Not totally. Oh, it wasn't no. total disaster. It was somewhere in between. It's just like, it's only funny. You know what I mean? Please like tell me they like sent no you a bunch mad. of diamonds on TikTok for that. I'm gonna say you probably <laughs> I don't even know. It probably could have been worse. It could have been worse. I think. I think maybe. Oh. I don't know. Oh my god, the worst is when like a dog has diarrhea when you're blow drying it. Oh no, that's the worst. Okay, so am I the only one that does this? So. If my dog, this is actually the dog, if he gets like um, loose stool, I actually French braid his butt hair. 
What? I mean, it's actually That's brilliant. Genius. I always have it's like so a perfect. Dog, you just but... you just French braid it straight down so it stays out of the way. That's hilarious. <laughs> okay, I'll now, send you a picture. <laughs> I need I need a tutorial on that. Maybe Jess yeah. can do and a if tutorial you can't, with you. Just you. Do pigtails. <laughs> if you can't do French braid because you don't have enough time, you just do pigtails. Pigtails. That's yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> a French braid that's time it consuming time. and that's art. That's art. <laughs> I mean, I need to see it's a art. picture of this. It sounds it sounds I'll really fancy. I'll send you both a photo. We will tag it in the podcast. Oh my god. No, we've had my husband's like the impatient kind, which Jess would probably like freak out about where he's just like, I'm just going to chop the hair off. And I'm like, no, no. because like, you know, it's just right there. So he just does it. What kind of, what kind of dog do you have? Me? The one that he chops the hair off of is like an Aussie mutt mix. And so, yeah, he's with like the, the, like the the back of the, he's a mix too. And so it's not just like perfect fluff. It's like fluff but also like dense and then it's all like wispy yeah it's in all directions and so not like this butt fluff Right, but oh, yeah. but her dog's butt fluff is pretty. This dog's oh, butt God, fluff is kind of like the kind one. the kind that goes in every which direction. So yeah, it's. Do you get your dog groomed professionally ever? No, that's the dog that is like would never. He's terrified of going places. So yeah, yeah. the other dog I have that has a butt fluff, we kind of manage that one pretty well because it's it's thinner. Well, I have. I have some tips for the chaotic butt fluff. Oh, please, <laughs> please give them all to me please and the listeners. <laughs> okay, so if you have a dog that hates going to the groomers, um, see, do you ever blow dry this dog yes, or no? Yes, yeah. Okay, so when you're blow drying the butt, if you can, blow dry the air facing down mm-hmm. and brush it while you blow dry, mm-hmm. and this will help settle the coat. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. It's not the end of the world. Yeah. But if it's if what you, what I recommend is getting a pair of thinning shears. Mm-hmm. This is much more forgiving than a choppy yeah. curved shear oh or gosh. a straight shear. Yeah. And what you want to do is just like we were talking about earlier is like you want to go with the grain. So you want to go with the grain. You want to not go against the grain across. You want to go up and down. Oh. And if you do that with thinning shears. There you go. That's oh. all you need. Do you ever make it a lot more smooth? That's, I mean, I, I have border collies and this little mini Aussie, major hair yeah. issues. So, my mm-hmm. one thing, and, and Amber laughs at me because she's watched me blow dry. Don't even put me on the spot. I'm terrible at it. I just like fluff, like it, it, they come out. I give, like, I give her the exact, exactly how you said blow it down because I'm always yeah. telling her, like, blow the hair down. She blows it this way. So, her dogs have like these mohawks on their backs. <laughs> they look cute, well, was, though. Do you have a go-to product that you're like, I don't go to, I don't have any dog. Like I use this on every single dog as a finishing spray or something that you love. I do. I mean, and I'm also like totally not married to it. It's just the product I've been using. Yeah. There's so many on the market, but, um, the one I use is kind of expensive. It's by this company called Yves San Bernard. They're from Italy and it's called a Tommy H270. Ooh. It's, I feel like it's too pricey. Honestly, yeah. there's a new, there's a new brand called Botanica that has some really nice sprays. Mm. I groom has some sprays and dogliness also has some good sprays and stay tuned for my personal spray oh, coming soon. When is this happening? I'm launching a product line hopefully next year. That's okay. Awesome. It'll be launched. Okay. And gonna it's going to be the, the best dog grooming product line Oh, I'm ever. so excited. I'm always looking for the right products. Oh, awesome. And now I have like very different dogs with very different coats too. And so mm-hmm. I'm curious your opinion. So I talked about the Aussie mutt who's got the crazy – he's got like pit bull in him too. So he's got like really weird hair. Um, and I have a duck tolling retriever who's got like more manageable hair because she's a purebred. So it's like we have expectations. But I have a short-haired mutt, and currently he has been – 
I mean, we, I took him to the vet last week. I'm not even joking. I took him to the vet last week and told them he's been excessively shedding for mm. like two months now to the point where I do a shedding like a uh, rake on him, not not like a cutting one, just like a basic rake. Mm-hmm. I do that mm. on him every day and we get like a pound of hair oh every single day. And it's been going on for two months. He's on like supplements mm-hmm. for a coat. And I'm like, is there something that I should be doing? Like, should I be... Bathing I have so him many things or, to say. Oh my gosh. I need I your help. So much to say. Okay. Okay. So you don't bathe him professionally, right? Uh, I, I have in the past. I want I'm going to send him and see if when he comes back if it's like a reset because okay. here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Shedding is natural and it's the sign of a healthy coat. And there are two equinoxes. There's this or the solstice. There's the summer solstice, winter solstice. This is when dogs shed the most. So this is healthy. It's the coat rejuvenating. But just manually doing that is not as effective as also using a high-velocity dryer mm-hmm. after the coat has been very thoroughly cleaned and conditioned. Okay. So when you go to a professional groomer, people are like, oh, my dog has short hair. They don't need grooming. Mm-hmm. This is a misconception. It's wrong, in my opinion. Um, so what, what a groomer does is we not only clean and get all of those natural oils out, while while you're doing this manual de-shedding, you're spreading those oils mm-hmm. through the dog's coat. Mm-hmm. So what we do is we take, we take all the oils out and then replenish with conditioner. And then we take a high-velocity force dryer, which is so much more gentle yeah. on, on skin than, than combing right, through it right, or right. de-shedding. So we blow off the dead coat. And then after the air has blown the coat off, then we go in with a curry comb, which is that rubber brush. Kong makes one. They're called the Zoom Groom. They're really great. And we go in with short strokes, Mm -hmm. depending on the dog. This is for like, you know, a pit mix, like something with really short coat. Sometimes we'll go through more of like a de-shedding rake if the dog has a thicker undercoat, like a lab or a golden or something like that. Um, so I, and like, if you're like, I'm doing everything I can go to, to a professional groomer okay. and have, or get, get yourself a velocity dryer. Yeah. So I do have a dryer, um, but I'm wondering if I'm missing a step. So like we've bathed him, we've conditioned his coat. We've done the rake before the blow drying after the rake I, I've tried, but I wonder if I'm missing a step and maybe I need to have a, a groomer look at it because I feel like I'm, or maybe it's what you're using. Maybe it's a, yeah, product. I don't know. I don't know. Well, also, like, by the way, we have our, we have a neighbor we love so much. Um, she has a, a little chihuahua. She bathes her chihuahua that has a thick coat and she'll just bring the chihuahua in for nails, mm-hmm. just like a nail trim. And the other day she came over and she's like, Oh, I just gave her a bath. I just need her to get her nails trimmed. She's still a little damp. This dog's did not smell clean. Oh, no. I was like, She's like, how are like, you doing? This is. Yeah. But like when I'm talking to a pet parent, you're not going to do a thir- yeah, as, as like thorough deep, job yeah. as a groomer. Mm-hmm. It's true. So like she probably washed the dog as she would, mm-hmm. but like we sometimes wash the dog twice if they're disgusting. Right. We have a bath that's raised up. So you're not like on your knees. Over, it's like yeah. We have like warm water with good pressure. It's like we really go into it deep. We scrub for a while. We let the shampoo sit. So that's like, a big a thing. thing. Letting it sit. Like, you know, a lot of times you let it turn I'm like, out. I don't got time for that. So I yeah, think that. Exactly. <laughs> right. So like do a really thorough bath. Try washing the dog twice. Mm-hmm. I love iGroom. They have great products. Um, nature specialties also have great products. Make sure you're conditioning. And then if you don't have time to condition, if someone's out there and they're like, I don't have time for all that, what you can do is put a little bit of really high quality conditioner into a spray bottle mm-hmm. with warm water yeah. that's 
either distilled water or filtered water, shake it up and mist it over the coat and work mm-hmm. it in and, as a, and use it as a leave-in. Got it. You could brush through that. Don't use a ton, but, and then also don't store it in that container for too long because bacteria will grow. So just use it once or twice and then, That's you know, super smart. It's a wealth so of information. It. Yeah. To follow up with this, because I feel like I've got this, this hopefully will help me out, but if I'm going to be looking for a groomer for my dog, I can't I can't go to L.A. to have you groom my dog. <laughs> Come on, um, Amber, let's talk. Are, are there some things that you can kind of like suggest for me and for listeners if we're looking to, to have our dog groomed by someone? How do we know it's a good groomer? How do we know if they're going to treat our dog right? You know, how, how do we how do we choose the right groomer? It's such a good question. Um, I think word of mouth is number one, I would say. Um, go on to Yelp or Google, read reviews of, of groomers. And also like be mindful of reading these reviews because some good groomers, like some people will have a bad experience on like, you know, with the way they were like dealt with, with like their appointment mm-hmm. or other things. And they'll leave a bad review. That's not based on the actual skill yeah. of the groomer. These are just like grumpy. People <laughs> sometimes. So like when you're reading reviews really like, you know, Um, And also you might just have to do some trial and error. Like you might have to try a place. Um, Sometimes even in my shop, like dogs that have been coming to me forever still sort of tremble and shake when they get dropped off. Mm. So that could most likely be a a result of the energy of the owner. Mm. So if your dog trembles and shapes at drop off and shakes at drop off, just have a no big deal energy Mm -hmm. and do it quickly. If you have grooming instructions, call ahead of time. And just be like, here you go. I'll t- I'll call you for instructions. I'm so bad no at this. Deal. I'm so yeah, bad. Yeah, I mean, at it this. makes Me sense because if you sit Me there too. like, oh my gosh, are you okay? Are you okay? I mean, like, I'm a trainer, yeah. and I'm like, yeah. I'm always like peeking in the door, like, eh, yeah, I know, yeah. hyper dogs are reading our energy. <laughs> it's yeah. so true. Yeah. I have a dog. I think I've mentioned it on this podcast before, where I realized. Um, it's my scaredy cat dog where I, I realized I started telling him it's okay. It's okay. And when I would say that he would start like looking around to like find what was scary. So I was like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. like I'm teaching him to be afraid of more things. Cause yeah. like I see something I know he's going to be afraid of. So I'm like, it's okay, okay, it's right, don't it's worry. Okay. He's like, the boogeyman's coming. He's like, yeah. oh gosh. So it's so, it's so true that like we can create more anxiety for our dogs if we kind of work ourselves up with the groomer. But I think that that's, those are some really great tips. And then um, I'm definitely going to look around because I, I need some help with my dog Oakley right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, just think um, calm, confident. That's how I approach grooming. And then also another tip is um, the very first appointment of the day is usually the best if you want to get your dog in and out quickly. Mm. Because as more dogs come in throughout the day, you know, now it becomes like someone mm. goes in the cage and they're waiting, like if another dog's taking too much time. So see if you could be the first appointment in and out. You can sometimes pay for a straight through appointment. Mm, that's interesting. Go for yeah. it. Like try to do first thing early, early. Right. Yeah. And have a no big deal energy when you drop off. Also, when you pick up, when you pick up, have a no big deal energy, wait for your dog to calm down and then give affection. Because then otherwise they're they're waiting for that big explosive energy from you. Tell tell myself that because I'm like, I missed you so much. (laughs) I know. But like, as you know, like, oh my God, Mm -hmm. like that can, is just, there's a fine line between that. Oh my God. And anxiety. Yeah, so true. It like can tip so quick. Yeah. Again. yeah. That's so that is, true. That is super awesome advice. I really appreciate you giving us all these tips too. Like, oh my goodness. Awesome. We can keep I, going, honestly. I'm honestly <laughs> going to like go back and listen to this podcast and be like, okay, what did she say? The I want to hear were? those what products did she tell me again. What to do? I need to hear those products again. <laughs> 
Yeah, I groom dog fitness yeah. and nature stuff. And then your yeah. products coming out super soon, which would be great too. Stay tuned. Everybody go buy yeah. it. Right, so where can everybody yeah. follow you and check you out? And I believe that you recently posted that you're back in the salon for some hours and whatnot. So share it where people can yes. all see the things about you. Well, I just launched a YouTube. Everything is under Jess Rona Grooming. Check it out on YouTube. And then if you want to follow me personally, it's just Jess Rona on Instagram. Awesome. All right. And well, products to come next year. So stay, next tuned. year stay tuned. Yay. Well, thank you so much, Jess, for joining us. And I'm so excited for our listeners to listen to this episode. And I need the help. So I really appreciate all the tips yes. for, for all of my dog grooming woes. So thank you again for joining us. We're really happy to have you. <laughs> thanks, you guys. Yes, thanks, so. Jess. And have a great day. All right. So one of our first questions is from Anna. So let's go ahead and listen to that question. Hi, my name is Anna and this is Riley. So my question to you is, what do you suggest for a dog that gets anxiety in a car? So Riley used to have anxiety. Then I bought a bigger car because that that would help. And it did for a little while. But now he gets it again from time to time. And I don't know what to do. I've gotten him like tired to get in the car that works sometimes but there's other times that he's just panting and I have the AC on the windows open so if you could suggest something that would help that would be great say bye Riley what a cutie oh my goodness well I want to say the first thing um is to you don't necessarily know what the anxiety is caused by because sometimes I've seen dogs get motion sickness um, and so it is something to like make sure your vet is aware of and I think Chrissy would agree Um, and I know personally that um, a crate in the car has helped my dogs a lot because it also helps with motion sickness I believe because they they don't see the motion of the car and um, it's really important to determine if it's motion sickness or if it's just traveling in the car Maybe it's just the car itself. So maybe try sitting in the car without driving and see how your dog feels in the car. You know, determine what exactly it is and breaking it down and making sure that you you break the steps down very, very small increments. So sit in the car for a little bit of time, make it a positive experience, then turn the car on and see which step your dog is at before you just take them on a drive and expect them to not be anxious about it. What about you, Chrissy? What do you think? I think I agree to all of that. I mean, you really nailed it on the head. I think another thing is just to also evaluate what the car means to your dog. So where are you going? And is mm-hmm. that is it always to the vet? Is it only to stressful situations? Um, is it uh, also – is it anxiety? Is it excitement? Yeah. Is it that they're going to the dog, tar- par- dog park? So they're super like overstimulated for that experience. Um, and, you know, so, but I think that, you know, obviously ruling out anything health related is number one with the vet and, and take video. I mean, that's a yeah. great way to document and have not only the vet, but trainers to be able to look at that and kind of help figure out what that is. I do like crates because my dogs, I noticed even some the rare times I've had them loose, when they can see around and they mm-hmm. have to support themselves, you can tell they're already stressed because yeah. they, they're seeing things, they're moving. Remember, we have done this since we were little kids in our fam- family car. Dogs don't 
understand what that is. They don't, they don't understand, like they know they're moving, but like that fast visuals and you know, all of that is so much stress on the body. Well, yeah, that too. I mean, but also like the seats are, are made for us to sit on naturally too. And so a lot of times the dogs are standing on all four feet while they're on the, the, the car is moving and they're having to try and balance the whole time and their weight is being shifted around. And so maybe finding a different solution, either a crate or maybe a smaller contained space in the car that your dog can lean against. I know that's helped one of my, one of my dogs, Whiskey. Um, I have seen some car anxiety from her in the past. A crate seems to help, but also getting a seat, um, what do you call it? Like a seat hammock that allows her to lean against the seat has been really helpful for my cat is pushing the computer Um, (laughs) has been really helpful for her to be able to feel safer in the car. But there's so many different things. That's so true. And also the vet can help you by giving you something like Adaptil, which is a nice spray that helps calm them down. So there's a lot to digest here, but I would start chipping away at it. But also I would document it and I would also start to maybe journal what you're doing and when you're noticing these trends get really bad or when they aren't so bad. And then of course, I think you should break it down with the help of a trainer because that will help your process go a lot more smoother. Absolutely. All right. Well, we have another question here. This question is from Melissa from Austin. She says, hi, Amber and Chrissy. Is agility training good for all dogs? And can I start it with my dog at any age? That's a really well, great Amber, question. Yeah, we yeah. both do agility, but Amber's been really doing it a lot more, I would say, this year for sure. Yeah, so absolutely. So kick it off? Well, I think the first thing to acknowledge is like your dog and what they love to do and what they're physically capable of doing as well. And so um, this can depend on your dog's age, but also on your dog's breed and like just the way that their body shape and their type is. I know that my dog Oakley, even though he's got the energy for agility, he just does not have like the... Uh, I don't know how to put it nicely. He's a very clumsy, big goofball, and he just like does not have the most control over his own body. So even though he can do agility, it's definitely not his sport. It's not his thing. Um, and so I never really pursued that with him because it's just watching him do agility. It's not his thing <laughs> at all. <laughs> now, uh, my oldest dog, Tucker, absolutely loves agility. And I stopped doing agility with him about like six years ago because he seemed to have some physical uh, situations and limitations. However, now in his older age, he's probably about 12 now, um, we'll just occasionally do really simple, easy agility where I put the bars all the way down mm-hmm. and I just kind of make sure he does things safely and at a slow pace. You want to make sure you're, you're, of course, talking with your vet, making sure you know if there's any physical limitations your dog has. Um, and my youngest dog, Whiskey, we started with her as a puppy. Now there are some considerations you have to to address with puppies, especially you don't want puppies doing full agility courses. So make sure you consult a trainer and someone with a lot of experience in doing agility with dogs if you're dealing with a puppy or an older dog, and they can maybe evaluate your dog and see how to safely start them at any age and do age-appropriate activities for them. It's true. You can break everything down so that you can still do a lot of things that in the end will help you in the sport. Um, and that really goes down to even obedience. I mean, there's a lot of impulse control in agility. So that that's a great avenue to take. But definitely try to work with a trainer who can help you along that way, especially one who deals through positive reinforcement for treats and toys and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And we have one more question. Why don't you take it away? All right. We do have our last question. It's Rachel from San Francisco. I'm thinking of introducing a second dog into our home. When is the right time and what should I consider? 
man, that's a big question. To well, ask. Chrissy so, has done this four times. So I think <laughs> I have, I've done it four times. So first of all, um, when is the right time? Um, your whole family has to be on board. Mm-hmm. Your whole family needs to be on board. You need to have a good idea of what type of dog you currently have now, their energy level, their needs, and what kind of dog is going to possibly complement that. And if you're looking to do a polar opposite breed of dog, energy, you know, needs of dog, how are you ready to mitigate that and manage that in your home? Um, you know, I have a very low energy dog I started with, and then I got a border collie, very different energy. So I had to change things in my home to be sure that my older dog felt safe and protected while this bounding puppy was around the house by utilizing gates and utilizing, um, you know, different energy outlets to make sure they were both happy. And, um, and I think that was a really big thing that like, as a family, we all had to be on the same page and understand that that was going to be our new lifestyle. Now I do have four dogs and they have a lot of different energy requirements, but I think that if you're going to bring a second dog in your home, you really need to fully understand the first dog that you have, what they need from you. Are they dog reactive? Do they have problem with change in general? And then see if there's a way that you can either maybe have your dog meet this dog if you're going to be fostering or something of that type. Or if you are going to get a puppy, try to maybe get some things in the home to prepare so that they can have their own spaces. I think that was a really great question. And Amber, if you have anything to add to that, I think that, I mean, you've got quite a few, but she's wrangling a cat right now. Um, my, again, my cat I think my microphone always, out. So, uh, I saw that I would just always work up to work with a trainer. And of course, getting that new dog into training as well as your other dog is going to be great for both of them. And it's going to teach a lot of great manners that in communication skills so that you can live with both dogs and have a great relationship all around with your family. Well, that's a wrap for today's episode. Thank you guys so much for sending these amazing questions. We love hearing from you all. Be sure to continue sending us your questions and see anything dog moms and dog pet parent related at dogtv.com slash the dog moms. A huge thanks to Jess Rona for bringing her insights into the world of grooming, self-care, and overall well-being. Be sure to look for her products, which are going to be out next year. Absolutely. And make sure you guys like, subscribe, send us a rating if you guys are enjoying this podcast. Again, we love hearing from you. So continue to send us your questions to dogtv.com slash the dog moms and ha- more info on how to keep your furry friend happy and healthy. So stay positive, everyone, and keep those tails wagging until next time. Bye. Bye. Dog moms, dog moms, what you